You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Okay, so have you ever met someone that, or maybe it's somebody you know, but then they introduced you to someone they were dating and you asked the question, is it serious? You know, you, uh, I, I know, that's not really a guy thing to do, is it? <laughs> you know, I mean, two guys, y'all walk around and say, well, is it serious? No, but that's a, that's a, I'm sorry, that's a female thing to do, right? I mean, it's like, is it serious, you know? And, uh, and, and there's really three answers to that question, you know? One of them is, oh, it's very serious, you know? We're, we're, we're talking about getting married. That, that's, that's answer number one. Answer, answer number two is, oh, no, we're just keeping it casual, right? Oh, we're just keeping it casual, right? And there's, there's kind of a something in between there. You know, it's like that's just two ends of the spectrum, right? There's something in between there. I don't know if your mind's already going where my mind goes to. When it's, uh, is it serious? And then they'll say, well, it's complicated. Y'all ever heard that? You know, well, it's complicated. And you know what that means, don't you? It means one of them is serious and one of them's trying to keep it casual. And that makes it complicated. I mean, that's normally that's what it is. I, I mean, you can call it a whole lot of things. But if you look at it and you look at those situations, you'll see that the problems are arising because someone is more dedicated to the, to the relationship than someone else is. And that's what's making it complicated because someone wants more and keeps wanting more and someone else keeps putting up the walls. Someone, uh, the, other, the other party keeps putting up the walls. The other party uh, keeps, you know, uh, keeping their distance, maybe even ghosting them a little bit every once in a while. You know, and they can't reach out on them. They haven't texted me all day, you know. Hadn't heard from them in 15 minutes. I'm afraid they're going to break up with me, you know, that kind of thing. You know? Right. It's complicated. And, you know, it's, it's really not complicated. It's really just that one wants more out of the relationship than the other. I mean, that's where a lot of it comes down to. And I wonder if God ever feels that way about our relationship with him if maybe he is wanting so much more and so much more yet we're keeping it casual let's bring this up i'm having having a hard time had a hard time how i wanted to word this still not sure this is exactly how i wanted to word it but hopefully you'll get it right here much of western christianity today is nothing more than a side interest a hobby many keep their relationship with jesus very casual and it has to break the heart. Is it serious with Jesus? Is this relationship, is this thing that you and I have with him, is it, is it serious with him? Can I remind you? He died for this relationship. He died for it. This is how serious it is to him. So, you know, no matter how serious it is to you, it is always going to be more serious to him probably. But that doesn't mean that you, you say, well, I can just keep it casual because he's the No, no, no. What happens? What happens when relationships, they get complicated? And, and, and relationships don't work when, when one is, is willing to die for the other one and the other one says, you know, I'll, I'll catch up with you sometime. And, and so this is my theory today, I guess. This is what I want to postulate to you of, of, of uh, what concerns me for so many of us in Christianity today. And, and um, I'm... I'm a realist in a lot of ways that I'm an idealist in a lot of other ways. I just believe that every regular attender of Church 2911 can be sold out, can be on fire, can be doing amazing things for God. That's why one of the things we have said since the very beginning of this church when we launched it is that everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. 
And I want to see your relationship be all that it can be. But I think most of us are keeping it very casual. So there, there, are, there are five areas uh, that I want to talk about real quick, okay? And I think, I think these lay it out a little bit for us to understand how casual maybe even a lot of us are treating our relationship with Jesus. You know, so, so here, here's, here's uh, how I want to lay this out for you. And then you can argue with me later, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable with people arguing with me. Just hear me out. And then you can argue with me, okay? Just don't jump to conclusions before you hear me out. Hear me out, and then we'll argue with it after, about it after church if you want to, okay? And so, so here, let me, just, let me just bring this one to you. Consider, and, and let me say this before I, say, before I bring this first one up, is I think a lot of the reasons a lot of people keep things casual, they don't go any deeper, they don't go any farther, is, is disinformation that is out there. It's because people have said, well, this and this and this and this. I mean, have you ever gotten bad relationship advice? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, have anybody ever given bad relationship advice? Yeah, we do. You know, and there's a lot of bad information out there about our relationship with Jesus. So let's like, take a very practical approach and look at these five years today. Consider this one. Consider baptism. You know how we kind of, uh, most people consider baptism to be an elective, Right? You know, something that you get, uh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. It's an optional thing. With, But c can we just for a minute look at water baptism? I mean, we have the direction right there. Okay, Matthew 28, that's the, verse 19, that's the Great Commission. Then in Acts chapter 2 and 3, direction that you're supposed to be baptized if you become a Christian. Or then we have all the examples. Then we have the example of Jesus. We have the example of the Apostle Paul. Uh, all these scriptures right there. And I, I don't have time to read all these, okay? So I've given them to you. They're there in the, in the, um, in, in the notes on the Connect page, church2911.com slash connect for the sermon notes. And it's got all these things on there. You can look at it. If you disagree with me, check these scriptures out first, and then we'll argue, okay? But it's got, there's the example of Jesus. He was baptized. The Apostle Paul was baptized. We see people like Lydia was baptized. We see Cornelius his whole family and all of his friends that were around him. Uh, the household of Stephanus were baptized. The, the believers in Ephesus, uh, they were baptized in water. Uh, and, and it goes on and on. The Philippian jailer, you remember that awesome story of where, where God delivered Paul and Silas out of the jail? And, and, uh, and the Philippian jailer who saw this, he, he and his family were baptized that very night. On and on and on, all of these examples that are there. And see, I think a lot of times we, say, we think that there's this one little verse there, there's this one little thing there, but no, there's all of these examples, and, and they go on and on. And then the explanations in Romans and Galatians and 1 Corinthians and Mark, all these explanations. So, so baptism is not just something that, that we thought of last week. It, 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 it's kind of it's like this. It's, it's, it's abundant through Scripture because it's the thing our family does. You know, it, of all the traditions that families have in this world, one of the big traditions that the Christian church has, the Christian family has, is baptism. It's the thing we do. You know, the, you may have something you do, and I, I, thought, of, I thought of examples, and, and, but, you know, you fill in the blank there. What is it that your family does that's a tradition? This is what we do. This is what baptism is. I mean, it's, it's all through the scripture. You see all those, and that's not all of them, but that's most of them probably, and there it is, and all it takes is one, but I, I just wanted you to see that this is a whole lot more than that. And here's what, here's what you know, when you're baptized, here's, uh, here's what baptism says, okay? It says the, these three things right here. Uh, next slide for thank you, um, Brandon. I have repented of my sin and turned to God for forgiveness. And you can go there, an actual verse of scripture right there that, that 
that uh, supports that. That's where the base of this is. That's what baptism said, says. It says, I, I, I've, I've turned from my sin. I've repented. You know, I've turned to God for forgiveness. It also says, I want the world to know that this is my family. Imagine someone that got married but doesn't want to wear their wedding ring. You know, this, this is what this says. Baptism says, I want the world to know this is my family. And you're being baptized. Or this is serious and, and I want to be obedient. That's what baptism says. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been asked to do something that you thought was a little silly? You ever been asked to do something you thought was really silly? You ever, thought, you ever been asked to do something that you thought was just plain stupid? <laughs> right? Let me tell you, one time, I think the worst, uh, I guess you call it worst, uh, one of the worst requests I've ever had in my life was when someone asked me to dress up like Peter Pan for a birthday party. <laughs> How many of y'all think I did that? <laughs> Let's vote right now. I'm serious. Let's vote right now. How many of y'all think I dressed up like Peter Pan? How many of you think, no way, no way did my pastor dress up like Peter Pan? I'd just like to know how you feel about me, okay? So that's why I asked. Okay, so let me give you a hint and then see if you change your vote. It was my granddaughter who, who asked me to dress up like Peter Pan for her fifth birthday party, which was themed Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Y'all want to change your vote? I guarantee you I dressed up like Peter Pan. I drove around town. Yeah. I drove around town to find, uh, to, uh, find scrubs just the right color that I could, you know, then I could cut and everything. And I, I did, you know. There were other adults at that party close to my granddaughter in family relationship that, was, that they were asked also, and they didn't dress up. But my oldest granddaughter will always know her pop dressed up as Peter Pan for her fifth birthday party, you know. Why? Because, now, let me tell you this. There's not a person in this room that can ask me to dress up like Peter Pan and I'll show up next week. <laughs> and even Deva, she's going to have to have a really, really, really good reason to ask me to do that before I'll do that, right? It's about relationship. It's about relationship. And when she asked me to do it, absolutely. I've had, I've, my other grandkids have asked me for stuff. I don't think anything has, has gone that far, but I've been asked for a lot of stuff. And, and the, the answer always, first thing out of my mouth is, sure, we'll find a way. Why? Because of relationship. But I don't have that relationship with a bunch of you, so I ain't doing it, right? But what kind of relationship do you have with him? He said, this is what we do as our family. We are baptized in water. And you say, oh, Okay. Jesus, that I want to be baptized. That's what my family does, and I want to do it. I want to be a part of the family. So, well, some of you thinking, I, I hope you're already thinking, well, I guess I need to be baptized. I hope you're thinking that because guess what? Next Sunday, there's going to be a big tank of water sitting right over here, and I'm going to be in it with about, I think, five or six people already that have signed up. And uh, if you want more information, text right here. You don't need any more information about baptism, whether you need to do it. But here's information on how we do it and those kinds of things. You need to text that and do that, okay? So what's your response? I mean, if your response, you see, it's, it's so easy to just have a casual relationship with Jesus. Well, you know, he didn't really mean that. You know, my, my granddaughter would have lived if I hadn't dressed up as Peter Pan. You know, we would still have a relationship today. 
He would have not killed her. She was only five, right? She, she probably would remember, but she remembers more what I did than what I didn't do. She remembers that I did that. Jesus is calling us. This, this is what our family does. Okay, so, so baptism. What, let's consider another th- place where we're a little casual with our relationship. <laughs> and everybody, pull your toes in, okay? Tithing. Let's talk about tithing just a little bit. You know, and, and, and here's one of the places that... That disinformation gets in our way. And we say, well, he doesn't really mean that. It's because you hear a lot of people say, well, that was something in the Old Testament. Okay, all right. So let me lay it out for you. Proportional giving goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. There's a scripture right there. They brought of of the the things that, that they produced, they brought of that to God. So it was from that. And then the amount of 10%, that's what tithe means. It means the tenth. It means tenth. The amount of 10% goes goes back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 14. That's way back before, because a lot of people say, you know, that's an Old Testament law thing. That's way before the law. Law hasn't been given yet. And already we've got proportional giving and we've got 10%. And that became the standard. That 10% became the standard for God's people. You see it. There's Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, 2 Chronicles, Nehemiah. Okay, let me point this out to you. So during the time of Moses, during the, the Old Testament law giving, there it was. After Moses... When there was the time of the kings, there it is. After the kings and after the captivity, there it is. And in the time of Jesus, there it is. You see, uh, you see Luke, you see Hebrews. And after Jesus left this earth, there it is again. This was the standard that goes on. And as a matter of fact, Jesus said we should tithe. Oh, I know he says it in this. But he says you should tithe. Read it. There it is, right there. You should tithe and then do all these other things. It, it seems like the focus is on all those other things, but he says, you should tithe and do those other things. Jesus said this. Okay, so this is what, this is what tithe said. So, so uh, bring up that next slide for me, if you will, Brandon. Tithing says this, like baptism. Tithing says, I am part of this ministry at this church. I want to see it thrive and reach more people who need to know Jesus. And if you want the background of that, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, 11, and 12, that's the reason for tithing. That's the reason for it. And so, you know, all of our arguments, when we start nitpicking about stuff like that, we're not really serious about our relationship anymore. We've, we've become casual in it. Well, maybe, maybe you know, because I mean, that's the argument, is, and, and it goes on and on, and people, people say, well, he didn't really mean that or, or this, or it was Old Testament, or it was a law, and, and we, but, but, but he says it, and it became the practice, and it was still the practice. I mean, toward the end of the New Testament, there it is. It's still the practice. It's still the practice of the people. So how do you respond to that? I mean, that's the question, isn't it? At least that's my question for you today. How do you respond? How's your relationship with Jesus? Is it casual or are you serious about this? You know, and and I'm not trying to talk you into paying your tithes here at this church. I mean, if if you can't get excited about what God is doing at 2911, I've said this so many times in our 14 years of existence, please go find the church that makes you say that. I am part of this ministry. I want to see it thrive and reach more people who need to know Jesus Christ. You need to go find that church. If this isn't it, go find that church. A church, you'll roll up your sleeves, you'll pull out your checkbook, you'll, you'll mark off time when your calendar says, I want to see Jesus reach more souls, and I believe this is the ministry that God has given to me, me to be a part of. And being, so, so, so how do we respond to this? We have to. We have to respond. So I really, I really in my, my mind and my dreams and my thoughts of this sermon, 
I just kind of want to stop here for about five minutes to let us all think about that and look at the scriptures. We don't have time for that on Sunday morning, but I, I challenge you. Is it serious? Or is it casual to you? Let's go on. Let's consider evangelism. You know, a lot of people, they think that evangelism is just something that preachers do. You know, pastors and evangelists, right? Evangelists, they even have the title, right? But evangelism, it's, first of all, it's not just a good idea. It's a necessity. Okay, I, I, I was raised in church, right? And I can count the pastors, you know, in my, in my, in my past, my, my history. I can count those pastors in my life and, and, and other preachers that have come along that God has brought alongside of my life. I can count those. And those that had real impact in my, in my life so that now today I'm, I'm, I'm not just, a, you know, just in the church, I'm leading a church. And I can count all those pastors, but you know what? I can count more than twice as many lay people who had impact on my life. It's not just about the fact. And those of you who, who become Christians, most of you didn't become a Christian only because of me or some other pastor. There were so many other people in your life, and, and I don't know if you know what a lay person means. It means somebody that doesn't have a title, pretty much, you know. They're, they're just, a, they're, they're a lay person. And some of them, some of the people in my past, I bet the only title they had was Sunday school teacher or youth worker. But man, they had such impact in my life. And that's why evangelism, it's not just a good idea, it's a necessity. All of us have to be involved in evangelism. And to reach others for Jesus is a command. It's our mission. There's your scriptures right there. It's our mission. It's not a pastor's mission. It's not a youth pastor's mission. It's not a children's pastor's mission. It's our mission. It's your mission. If you're a child of God, it's your mission. Because telling others about Jesus is a natural outflow of the joy, peace, and love in your heart. If you really have the love of Jesus in your heart, if you really have the peace of God in your heart, if you really have the joy of the Lord in your heart, you want to share that with somebody. There's somebody around you that is struggling, that is hurting. That are, their, their lives are falling apart. And, and, and if you've got all this, I, I mean, if you've really got that in you, if you haven't just listened to the sermons, but you've really got that in you, you're saying, I need to find a way to get this to them too because they're struggling. They need this love that I have. They need this joy that I have. They need this peace that I have. I, I, I wish I had looked it up. I thought, I, I thought about this several times, and I kept meaning to look it up again to see who it was that said this. Some of you ministers in the crowd, you may remember but somebody, somebody said this is all evangelism is. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's all it is. You found the bread. If you're a child of God, you have found, found the bread of life. And there are beggars that are hungry right around you in, in every part of your world today that they just need to know where to find the bread. And sometimes evangelism is, is, is helping them see and praying the prayer Sometimes it's just inviting them to a church service or a grow group or teens on Wednesday night. But whatever's needed right there, that's what evangelism is. So how, how, what, do you do, what do you do with that? So well, that's just not for me. No, that is for you. He, he didn't say that. Go read the scriptures. He didn't say, now tell all the preachers to do this. No, he said to everyone and to all the world. And so here's the whole point, is that especially that Matthew 28, 19 and 20, is that he puts it in you so that you can put it in someone else. Read that and see if my understanding of that scripture is not correct. Argue with me if you think it's not later, okay? But see if that's not what he's saying is, he says, pass this along, pass this along, pass this along. Not just to the preachers, but to everybody. So how do you deal with that? What do you do with that today? So, well, I, I don't, you know what? We try to make things easy on you if we can. We know it's not easy to do everything in the world. 
And so we've got a, I, I got a really good opportunity for you to help someone. And, and it, no, we're not going door-to-door witnessing, knocking on doors. Y'all ever done that? Man, we're not doing that. Somebody say, thank God. <laughs> now, if he tells you to, you're going to do it and you're going to enjoy it. You're going to like it. But if you don't, and I know many, most of you aren't, you know, that's not who you are. That's, that's, not, that's not what we've lined up for. You know what we've lined up for you? The entire summer. We're doing our summer blockbuster series. And this blockbuster series, and I think we have a slide. Yeah, okay. And uh, we're doing 90s movies this, this summer, okay? What an easy excuse to invite somebody to come to church. Just, the, you just tell them the first Sunday in June, my pastor is preaching on Forrest Gump. <laughs> right? I mean, what a, what a conversation opener right there, right? You know, your pastor's preaching on Forrest Gump. Now listen, we're preaching about Jesus. We're preaching about the Word of God. And several of the ministers in the, in the church are going to be preaching this summer. But, but we start right there, okay? We start with some of the things in the, in the movies that we bring out of that. So what an awesome opportunity. This is why we do this. We don't do it because we're bored and we need something more exciting for our sermons. Man, I, got, I told you, I got, I got four sermons that are still I'm ready to preach. We do this to give you the excuse. So listen, if you don't invite someone to come to these, to these services this summer, then we wasted our time as far as you're concerned. We did this for you. There are people around you who need the, the joy, the peace, and the love that is in your heart. Here's an easy excuse to get them here. To get them here on a Sunday, so do that. All right, so so let's move on. And uh, the next one is let's consider uh, oh consider righteousness. Hmm. See these a lot of these are we don't want to talk about this, Pastor. Exactly. If your relationship is casual, but if you're serious about this relationship, you want everything to be right. You don't want there to be problems. You don't want it to be complicated. You don't want Jesus hoping for more, and you're still giving him little bits and pieces. And this, this is just one chapter that um, I ran across in my own study and I wrote it down. This is the one I need to use. And I, I just want to read through this chapter with you. It's all right here on this screen. Uh, that's one of the reasons I didn't read a lot of Scripture, just gave you a lot of Scripture, because, because here I wanted to read this. And, and, and uh, my time's getting away from me, but I, so uh, let's hurry but not hurry. This is a psalm of David. David didn't write all the psalms, in case you're wondering, but we know he wrote this one. He said, I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? That's so weird to me. Every time I read that, it's like, God, I'll praise you, and I'm going to be careful to live a blameless life. Now, when are you going to come help me? <laughs> you know, okay, so, well, that's, you know, he, he's reaching out for that. But then he says, here's, here's, here's my part. You know, you're serious about this, God, and maybe I hadn't been serious, so here's how I'm going to get there. Here's how I'm going to get there. He says, I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. Isn't that, what say about, isn't that what we say about integrity? It's not what you do when everybody's watching. It's what you do when nobody's watching. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. People think that the scriptures don't speak to today. <laughs> but that one speaks to today, doesn't it? of people who live a different life at home than they live out in public. David said, I will lead a life of integrity in my home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. Wow. Again, Scripture doesn't speak to today. Other translations of that, you, you can translate that whole sentence right there also to say, I will put nothing 
nothing worthless before my eyes. I will not look at things. I will not put vile and vulgar things in front of my eyes. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. You know, and I, I think sometimes we're tempted, to, well, but if, if we can still get something good out of it, we'll still deal with that. No, he says, I will not have anything to do with someone who, who deals crookedly. I'll reject perverse. Y'all know what that word is, right? We, there's another word real close to it called pervert. I will reject perverse. I'll reject perverse um, ideas and stay away from every evil and stay away from every every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors unless the gossip is really juicy. I will not tolerate. Think about what he's saying here. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. Can I tell you something? He who gossips to you will gossip of you. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors because I know they're slandering me to their neighbors. I will not tolerate those who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. And sorry, I, I, I'm really caught up in sports, I guess, a lot. But you know, I just, I just see there's some sports I just can't even watch anymore because that's all it is. I mean, I know, I know WW whatever, F, E, or whatever they are, I don't know. I know that those are like show and everything like that, but I, I, some of them just flat out. I'm talking about other, that just, that's all it is, and we're paying millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars to, you know, I, but David said, I will not endure conceit and pride. And then he says, I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Man, I preach that a lot. I preach that to, to just had another premarital counseling session with a, uh, sessions with a, a couple in our church who's just about to get married, actually getting married tonight, you know, and I preach that to you guys. Is you, you need to find faithful companions. There it is. Faithful companions. You know, you know don't, don't, don't just gather people you like. Gather faithful companions. People who are not just going to be faithful to you, but faithful to Jesus. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. Now this is David, okay? He's a king. He's talking about servants. He says, I will not have servants except those who are above reproach. So th those I will not allow to come into my house, as he goes on, I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house. And liars will not stay in my presence. Whew. Liars will not stay in my presence. That's one of the things God says he hates, is lying. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. You know, if, if he had stopped there, fared out the wicked, a lot of people would say, oh, well, that sounds kind of mean. No. When the wicked are in charge and when the wicked are there, people are struggling and people, people are in bondage. And so what David's saying, I'm going to make this my daily, my daily task. My, my, my daily job is to ferret out the wicked so I can, I can set the people in the community free from their grasp. That's the reason for this. We're to be examples. Man, I, I've got so many notes on, on, on some of this right here that I'm going to have to, like I said, I'm ha having to wait for another time to bring to you. But this is about righteousness. And so, and this is just one chapter, one little, little chapter in the Bible.
But let me ask you again, what are you going to do with this? Is it serious or is it casual? Is your righteousness something that's casual? That you kind of, you know, I think God will overlook this. I don't think Jesus will be. Or it's like, I want to please him. I want to please him. Because this relationship with me and him is serious. Let's go go to the next one. and uh, Let's consider church attendance. I knew I would not have time to talk about this one, so I'm just threw it up there. I'm going to the last one here in just a quick second, okay? But let me just ask you this question. Is being with the family of God, is it a casual thing with you or is it a serious thing with you? I mean, that's what the sermon's about today. All of these things. Let's let's go to the last one. Consider this. Consider prayer. Consider prayer. Um, I believe in the power of prayer. Now, you may not believe in the power of prayer, but just because you don't believe in it doesn't make it real, what you believe. Well, well, what? Just because I believe in it doesn't make it real either, right? So what do we do? Okay, if I were to tell you that a McDonald's diet, y'all know McDonald's, right? To all be patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, you know, all that. If I were to tell you a McDonald's diet is the way to a healthy life and six-pack abs, then all of you would be going down and getting a Big Mac, you know, and French fries and large Coke and an apple pie right after church, right? Because pastor said it. No, you wouldn't, would you? Because you would say, pastor does not know what in the world he's talking about. Because doctors have told us, nutritionists have told us, and our experience is that we don't lose weight when we're eating McDonald's. We know that, right? So authority and experience, that's how we know. I believe in the power of prayer. Why? Because of authority and experience. And what is the highest authority in prayer? Let me show it to you right here, all these scriptures right here. Uh, We've been given the opportunity of prayer, so let us come boldly to the throne of grace. A gracious God, boldly. He, you don't just have an open door. He said, when you walk in, hold your head up. Come to me boldly with your prayers. You can ask. You don't have to back in. You don't have to come groveling. Walk into the presence of God with your prayer. We have such an opportunity. Okay, let's go on. And we have the power of prayer. We've been given power in prayer. Jesus said this. I, I can't read all these. Okay, but let me just give you this one real quick. Mark 9, 29. If you doubt this, please read the, all of these that are in the, in the notes. Jesus replied to the disciples, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Here's what's going on. Is there something happening and the disciples couldn't, they, they couldn't do this thing and Jesus did it. It's this miracle that he did. It's not important what it is right here, right now. But what's important is Jesus said, this miracle can only happen by prayer. What's he saying? They're say, he's saying there are some miracles that can only happen by prayer. So prayer is stronger than anything else. It's stronger than your will. It's stronger than your wisdom. It's stronger than your understanding. It is stronger than that. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that you and I have on this earth. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying this, prayer is the most powerful thing, the only thing that can make this happen. And there's your other scriptures. And we've got one, one more. We have also been given instruction on prayer. Jesus literally said one time to his disciples, pray like this. And then he gave them the Lord's Prayer. But we have all these other scriptures that give us instruction in prayer. It's as if, it's as if Jesus has dotted every I, crossed every T. You know, he has has touched all the bases, you know, first base, second base, third base. He has touched all the bases, you know, home run. He has left nothing to chance in prayer except one thing. One thing. 
It's like he set prayer up to be so powerful in your life and left nothing to chance except one thing. You know what that thing is? Your attitude toward prayer. That's the only thing that he's left. James 4 and 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. So prayer is there. It's so powerful. It's, so, it, it's available to us. We are invited into his presence with our head, 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 head held high, able to take him anything, and we have the promise of the power of prayer, but we still don't pray. Let me ask you two questions right here and wrap this up. Don't raise your hand like this. But in your mind, I, I want you to raise your hand if you think this. Don't raise your hand like this because I think sometimes people raise their hand because they have to or they don't raise their hand because of you know, what people might think. So just in your mind, raise your hand if this is true. Just in your mind, you understand what I'm saying? Don't, don't raise your hand. Just in your mind, do you have a need in your life? Do you have a need in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your health, or in, in, in your, some of your friends? Does, do you have a need? Then I just want you to see in, in your mind that you raise in your hand, yes, I have a need. I, I have a need. Okay, now as you're, in your mind, you're holding that hand up. You got one more hand, right? Okay, this is for the second question. Are you now in this service right here, right now, with this opportunity, are you going to pray about that need? Now, did that other hand in your mind go up and say, yeah, I'm going to pray right now? Because, you know, and, <laughs> and I really pushed, to, we're going to have prayer team members on either side of the stage in just a, just a moment. And if you raise that first hand in your mind to say, I have a need, then please raise that other hand and say, I'm going to take it to God right now. And one of those scriptures that I had to skip over for a time it's that one you hear me talk about all the time is, is Jesus said, where two of you agree, right here, where two of you agree concerning anything on this earth, it will be done of my Father in heaven. You have that. So did you raise this hand or did you raise both hands and say, I have a need and I'm going to pray about it today. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.